Yo, what it do, world? It's your boy, JJ Mouse. Welcome to episode two of the Mouse Talk Podcast. I want to appreciate everyone who's supporting me so far, man. Thank you for uh, checking out my very first episode of the Mouse Talk Podcast where I spoke on, uh, it was the 18-year anniversary of uh, the 9-11 terrorist attack, and I just spoke on where I was at the time and how that made me feel and stuff like that, man. Uh, If you haven't had the chance to check it out, make sure you do. Uh, This is episode two, and today's topic will be about me speaking on my experiences growing up during the 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, I made a post the other day on my uh, Facebook. If you don't follow me on Facebook, make sure you do it, JJMOSS. And also all my uh, other social media handles, JJMOS901. Uh, make sure you guys follow me and keep uh, and then keep you updated on the things you need to know as far as um, the episodes of the podcast and the topics and stuff like that. And I will be having guests on here soon, very, very, very soon, just getting everything in order right now. But like I said, we're going to be talking about um, growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s, man, which I consider one of the best times to grow up as far as a child. I mean, hey. I'm only speaking from my experiences. A lot of people may not agree. A lot of people may disagree. Hey, it is what it is. But but uh, for those who don't know, or who didn't know, um, I am 30 years old. I was born May 4th, 1989. So uh, uh, basically, I grew up a lot of my time in the 90s and early 2000s and stuff like that. So, But uh, for those who also didn't know, I'm born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, reside in Knoxville, Tennessee. So, but growing up in Memphis, man, for me, and during that time, man, it was kind of pretty normal for me. Um, I grew up in the neighborhood Orange Mound, uh, one of like I feel like the best neighborhoods that you could ever grow up in. Now it's not a suburb or anything like that. It is a, a it's a hood, it's a ghetto. But during that time, growing up, man, like. Orange Mound was really a community. Like, it is a community, but we were the de- definition of what a real community was, man. Because growing up during that time, during the 90s, uh, you had, like, you had, like, you, everyone was tight-knit. Everybody was tight. Everybody, like, stuck together. It's just like, if you were to get in trouble or something, you would do something. If your mom wasn't around, the next door neighbor would make sure your mom knew what you did. And, you know, of course, us growing up as kids, we thinking like, damn, I just, damn, been in my home business. But that's what, you know what I'm saying, that's how it was. Everybody was tight-knit. We looked out for each other. The, like, the parents looked out for each other's kids and stuff like that. If that person if that person wasn't around, like, that's how it was. That's exactly how it was growing up during that time. Like, and also, even the kids, we looked out for each other, man. We looked out for each other. Like, we didn't let nobody sit there and get jumped, or we didn't let nobody get picked on, like, if we all stayed in the same, on the same block, or the same neighborhood, or most of us, because we're mostly family, uh, we didn't let nobody get jumped, or get nobody get picked on, you mess with one, you mess with all, that's how it was, and especially for me, um, especially for me, um, growing up during that time, because all my family, we all lived in, basically lived in the same neighborhood, like, we lived on, like, streets next to each other all around Orange Mound. So, as far as us kids, all us cousins and stuff like that, man, we we were tight. 
Like, we were tight, man. Like, we, like, was tight. Like, you couldn't, we had, like, a real friendship cousin bond, if you can get what I'm, get my drift. Like, we had that real bond, man. And it was just, it just, it just, man, it was, it was just real, it was just real good, man. It was real great growing up during those times, man. And we had no choice but to interact with each other because, you know, we didn't have cell phones like these kids have today, man. We don't have social, we didn't have social media like these kids have today. Like, basically, if you had a problem with somebody, man, if somebody had a problem with you, you had to, you had to go face that person head on. Like, it wasn't no hiding. Um, one thing I really, uh, yeah, we did have our video games. Like, my first video game was a Super Nintendo. Yes, I had that, but I didn't spend all my whole time Staying in the house playing a video game. I di- I didn't do that. I didn't spend my whole time like basically staying in the house and stuff like that. Like we played outside. Like we we uh, we we basically we rode bikes around the city and stuff like that. Like we did like like we did, we made our own fun basically. Like if we were bored, we would make our own fun. Now sometimes. That fun, we're like some certain things we wouldn't supposed to be doing, but hey, we live and we learn. We got scars for it. Still, I got a bunch of scars on my body till this day from stuff that I know I should never been doing, like playing hide and go see it and hiding on the roof and skinning my shirt up or skinning my stomach up or my knee up and just a whole bunch of stuff, man. Like I, like, it's just crazy, man. I look back at it and laugh, man. It's 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 totally funny to me, man. And. Um, like I said, that's what I really missed, and that's what one of the things when I was talking about everybody seeing tight knit in our neighborhood. I really missed the respect we had for one another. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm looking at it differently, maybe like or anything like that. But I just missed the love and respect we showed one another, man. We didn't, we didn't have a problem showing each other respect. If somebody got out of line or you had to get checked or something like that, man, like, well, oh, okay, my bad, man. I got, a, I got a little bit ahead of myself and my apologies and stuff like that. But now, with social media and stuff like that, everybody feel like they have to be on guard and help have their guards up and feel like they got to be tough all the time. It's women and men and kids. Like everybody feel like they just got to be on tough mode 24-7. And I feel like you shouldn't have to be, man. You really shouldn't have to be on tough mode. So, but uh, that's one of the things I do miss, man. That's one of the things I do miss, man. I miss uh, us just interacting with each other like more. Uh, I, remember, um, I remember the days of where I had to send letters off. Um, if I knew, like, I had a friend, um, who moved, who basically moved out of town during the time we was in elementary school, because I went to Hanley, uh, Hanley Elementary, still one of the best elementary schools to this day, man. Um, and I had a handful of basically having, like, learning how to, how to write a letter and how to mail it off and stuff like that and receiving stuff like that from him. If it wasn't a phone call or something like that, we'll write letters to each other, man. And that stuff like that used to be fun. Uh, that stuff used to be fun. And um, also, growing up during those times, man, in the 90s and the early 2000s, man, the TV shows. The TV shows and movies that we had. Now, a lot of people might listen to this like, come on, bro. Like, you're really putting too much on it. Like, everything in the 90s and the early 2000s wasn't as great. That's the thing about it. Not every movie, not every TV show, not every uh, musician, rapper, singer, not everybody was great. But the difference is between 
us and how it is now, we didn't praise the whack stuff. If you if your stuff was whack, then you stayed on the other side. Meaning, like if the other side, meaning the pop charts and stuff like that, if they was feeling you, then you that's your audience. You stay over there. But if the streets and the real people was basically feeling you and stuff like that, we gave you praise. But if you was whack, we let you know it. And that's one thing I feel like we should get back to far as far as with the music and stuff like that, man. People be afraid to tell people they're whack. I've had, like, uh, for those who didn't know, uh, in my uh, early years, I uh, basically was pursuing to be uh, a hip-hop, hip-hop artist. And not everything that I recorded or every verse that I spit was bumping. And I appreciate those who told me, like, hey, man, you need to change this. Or this wasn't that good. Or, like, this was all right. And I took offense to that. Meaning, I took offense to, like, damn. I'm basically saying to myself, shit, I need to go harder. I need, I, mean, I need to go back to the drawing board, and I need to go much harder on my songs or on the stuff I write. So, that's, but that's the thing about it. You can't do that these days because first thing a person will automatically think is that you're hating. Like, oh, man, you just hate. Ah, oh, bro, you just mad because you can't do this and stuff like that. Like, no, it's not hating. It's just basically you telling that person, oh, I'm, I wasn't feeling that one. And that's the first thing people do five, six, the eight, and age, man. They first, they think you're hating. They think you're hating on them. They think you're just throwing shots at them, thinking that you're jealous of them. And that's why these days, man, the difference between these days and how it was back then, you can give someone your opinion and they respect it. Or they'll be like, oh, okay, I, I, I feel you. Even if they might not agree with you. But these day and age, like, you give your opinion People, the first thing they think, oh, that nigga just hating. Oh, he, she just hating. That's the first thing people go to. They're thinking someone hating on them. Which has nothing to do with it. You can't have, like, one thing people still don't realize today, you can't make everybody happy. You can't satisfy everybody. So, that's how it is. Like, people just, the difference between back then and now, man, you can't even state your opinion because people think you hate. And then also, Back then, different between back then and now. You can't even give nobody no props without them thinking you dick riding. Like, you basically, you, they feel like you sucking them off. Like, damn, I can't give this, this brother his props. I can't give this sister her props on what they, they're good at. Like, you could do that back in the day. Like, uh, without saying, like, I guess a groupie or whatever, like, whatever the term people like to use these days. But you you couldn't, you can't do that now. You can't even do that now. We can't give prop, uh, get, can't give people their props on how good and talented they are without people thinking that you're, you're dick riding. So, but, um, like I said, what I really miss uh, about that time, man, and my experiences during that time, man, like the TV shows that we had. Now, I'm no conspiracy theory. Uh, I have a conspiracy theory. Um, I always felt like during that time, man, I'm pretty sure a lot of people would agree with me on this. During that time, like I say, the late 80s, late 80s, early 90s, beginning in the late 80s. You, uh, that's all you saw on TV was blacks. Like, you can't disagree about that. That's all you saw on TV was black people. That's exactly what all you saw was black people. And 
it's it just it's just crazy, man. It, 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 it's, it's crazy, man. Like, that's all you saw on TV was black people, man. Like, you, it wasn't, it wasn't a channel you couldn't flip to. That That's all you saw was black people. And I feel like the, the conspiracy theory for me was that those corporations knew that in order to get that, that big money, those billions, those trillions and stuff like that, they knew they had to use us. And that's exactly what they did because during that time, what if it was movies, TV shows, commercials, and stuff like that, it was all black until, like, the year 2000. And that's when they started doing the chopping block. Like, they started cutting TV shows one by one, one by one, and then it just basically turned back all white. But I feel like those corporations like UPN, Fox, NBC, CBS, um, it's a bunch of them, man. Uh, USA, all of them. They use, they pimp the shit out of the black talents, cause everybody had a show. Like comedians, no matter who you were, everybody down there had their own TV show. What if it was short lived or what? Uh, you everybody had their own TV show, cause they was just trying to they was pimp they was pimping the shit out of that black dollar. And but what I was saying was the TV shows we had back in the day, man, that showed black people in a much in a much positive light, like. I'm saying because only black TV shows you see today is these so-called scripted reality shows, man. And what are they doing? Got I'm saying they got us acting like buffoons and shit like that. And not saying that we didn't have that type of stuff in the '90s. You did have some I'm saying some coonish stuff, TV shows during that time, man. But that kind of kind of got pushed away because we had more positive TV shows, man. Like the and people might not agree with this, but the Cosby Show. I'm saying the Cosby show, like, that's something that I still watch to this day, man. Uh, a different world, a show where you saw, like, it, it motivated and gave us young black kids and the teenagers and the young adults in the, uh, in the hood and the, in the uh, urban communities that, damn, they can go to college, I can do this. A TV show was responsible for that, man. A TV show, and like I said, Bill Cosby was responsible for that. That was his show. And um, one show that I really, I, I still look, I love to this day. And people, I feel like people didn't like this show, Rock, with uh, Charles S. Dutton. It was almost like the 90s version of Good Times. Because <clears throat> even though they were, I guess, quote unquote, poor, they still had, they still knew their value. They still knew their worth. Just because they were poor doesn't mean they had to act like they were poor. And, you know, a lot of people didn't like that show for some reason. I liked it because, yes, it was a comedy, but it also had messages in it. It had messages in it that were reflecting what was going on in the reality. Uh, going on with the reality of what's going on in our black communities. Uh, you no, know, the drugs being sold in our neighborhoods, the violence and stuff like that. <clears throat> and we was hitting the nail on the head. And it was basically bringing out that message. And I think, you know, that's what we need these days. Like, we really need more TV shows. We need need more commercials like that. That spread that message out to our young, to our youth, man. That you don't have to be out here doing all this senseless killing and stuff like that. And what's making it worse that these killings are getting caught on tape, getting recorded, and posted on the internet. And we, and 
and these kids are seeing it and stuff like that. So now it's to a point where these kids are numb to it. These kids are numb to it, man. But I liked the, I liked that show, that sitcom Rock. Excuse me. Because, man, yes, it was a funny comedy and stuff like that. But it, it, uh, it was always a message behind it, man. It was always a message behind it where they had the AIDS episode. What if they had the uh, episode about uh, voting or runaways or kids being abused or being on drugs. And it always touched a specific topic that people can, like, take their message and, like, take that message and be like, damn, I felt it. It always hit home for a lot. And I just miss TV shows like that, man. I just, it's it's something I wish kids today had. So, and, um, and then, like I said, I like the shows that show black people in the most positive light because, you know, back in the day, like, you couldn't really get on TV without being on some buffoon, coon, tap dancing, shucking and jiving type shit. And we did, like I said, I'm not going to lie, we did have some of that in the 90s and stuff like that. But shows, like the TV shows, like uh, a lot of people might not remember the Sinbad show. He had his own sitcom for like, I think two seasons, um, where he was um, he was like a, a, I guess a video game uh, computer technician or like that. He, he created video games for computers and stuff like that. And he had adopted two children. Uh, foster children. Uh, one of them was Ray J, and a little uh, a little girl, and it just showed. Even though most like most of those TV shows that you saw, probably like the, I guess the white TV shows, they had their whole families. But with the when it came to the black TV shows, there's always a parent missing. Like uh, you had Thea, she was a single parent and stuff like that. Or uh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, it's other TV shows that were like that. Like, you didn't see a full family when it came to the black TV shows. And, but, I say it put, but it, those type of TV shows always had a, a great message behind it, man, as far as the episodes and stuff like that. And then the type of stuff I missed. And I used to hate it because you see all these other TV shows like Friends and Will and Grace and Roseanne, Seven Heaven. I can go on and on and on. These TV shows would get like 10 seasons, 100 plus episodes. But our great TV shows and stuff like that for, for the blacks, we didn't get that besides Different World, The Cosby Show. And that was because it was controlled by Bill Cosby. If it was controlled by them, we wouldn't get that. Uh, I say another one, uh, Family Matters. I will always love Family Matters. Um... That had, a, that had a long run. It's like nine seasons and stuff like that. Like, so, some, certain shows had like a, you know, like certain shows, they, they let slide because they was making a lot of money off Family Matters because Family Matters was actually about to get canceled before the episode Urkel appeared on. I think uh, Steve uh, Jaleel White, he didn't appear on the episode of Family Matters to almost the end of the first season. And once he appeared on there, he basically saved that show. So, I, you know, they was trying to pimp whatever they could out of it. And, you know, but <coughs> shows like Fresh Prince and stuff like that, that had a long run. But it seemed like every, all these other shows and stuff like that, the great shows that we, like Living Single, I feel like Living Single should have been, had the same run as Friends. And even though they got the concept 
uh, of friends from living single because that that was the original title for living single. A lot of people don't know that it was friends, but they switched it around and the same people who created it, they just basically created a separate sitcom. Okay, okay. So it was just like I wish wish like shows like that, like Malcolm and Eddie and the Wayans brothers and stuff like that, man. Like you you like those shows didn't get there. They got like four seasons and that was it. And it was just crazy, man. It was just it was just crazy. It was it was just damn right crazy, man. But like Hangle with Mr. Cooper, that was a great show. Man, that was a great show, man. It was just like you like I had stuff to look forward to when I got out of school. Like with my routine almost like if I would get home from school, uh depends on my mom's at home already. Uh Come home, start on my homework. First thing is on Power Rangers. <laughs> and then all the other stuff will start coming on, like um, uh, Family Matters, Hang on Mr. Cooper, and stuff like that. And it's just, man, it's just crazy, man. And also, what I miss about those times, we had the best children's shows. I don't care what nobody say. We had the best, and I say the best children's shows, cartoons, and all that. And it just, and then, okay, and for those who don't agree with me, I feel like, okay, if we didn't have the best children's shows, why are they trying their best to reboot all the 90s stuff? You got all that out here for the new version of all that for the kids today. You, they got, they reboot, they're rebooting um, a new version of the Rugrats, which is like their, like their third reboot. Um, like we had the best TV shows, man. We had the best cartoons and stuff like that. Like, we that's why we still hold those cartoons to like like into our hearts, man. Like Arthur, uh, what else, man? Rugrats, Doug, Rocket Power. Uh, I can go on and on. I can go on and on and on and on and on, man. Like we had the best Kenan and Kale. Uh, Are you afraid of, afraid of the dark? Salute your shorts. Wild and crazy kids. Um, um, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, Animaniacs. Uh, we had the Batman, the animated series, man. We had Gargoyles. Tiny Toon Adventures, Pinky in the Brain, Dexter's Laboratory, Ah, Real Monsters, Hey Arnold, The Powerpuff Girls, man, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, one show that my mom really hated and I, my niece and I had to seek to watch was uh, uh, Beavis and Butthead. Like, it was, it was a show. Uh, Pokemon, uh, Rocco's Modern Life, Darkwing Duck, Recess, uh, Chippendale, uh, DuckTales, Beetlejuice, uh, Daria, The Tick, uh, Freakazoid, uh, my god, Johnny Bravo, man, like, the, the adventures, the adventures of Ren Ten Ten, The Angry Beavers, uh, Sailor Moon, uh, Futurama, like, all that stuff, man, we had some great TV shows, The Sonic Adventures, uh, The Ghostbusters Show, like, we had some great... Uh, I remember when they had The Mask, uh, the, the Jim Carrey movie, The Mask, the cartoon series. Man, I used to love that. Oh, man, I used to love that. 
Man, like, and uh, that's what one thing I really missed, and I wish. I mean, I don't know how kids do these days, man. I don't know if they soon they get up on a Saturday morning, they get to their phones and stuff like that. But those Saturday mornings, waking up, um, basically, my mom wake us up early in the morning, start our cleaning up, and uh, by the time we get done. It's almost time for the Saturday morning cartoons, like the lineup. You had the weekend, uh, the weekenders. I mean, the weekenders. Uh, you had recess. You had Disney's Doug. You had uh, uh, F- uh, what's it? Fillmore. You had Lord in Space. You had so many cartoon shows, Power Rangers, uh, Beetleboards, and stuff like that. You had so many of those shows, but on the Saturday morning, man. Getting your uh getting a bowl of cereal and sitting in front of your TV doing that Saturday morning while your mom listens to her oldies in the front in the front uh, room in the living room, listen to her old school music and stuff like that, sitting on the porch drinking her coffee, coffee, reading the newspaper or stuff like that, or on the phone with one of my aunts or on the phone with one of her friends and stuff like that, and it just like man, those times right there was just freaking great, like. It just like I like I said, I really cherish my childhood, man. Like those right there were great. Sit there and watch cartoons. Uh and then what this tradition uh I started doing was when um after the cartoons would go off, I would watch uh Powerpoint Wrestling. It was a local uh wrestling promotion down here in Mi- uh, down there in Memphis. Uh we used to uh, the tickets were free, so my stepdad would take us sometime. Uh, and we'll go and watch the Power Pro Wrestling and stuff like that. I got a, a bunch of pictures that I wish I could find. Uh, I hope, I'm pretty sure my sister probably got them. Um, the pictures that we uh, would take with the wrestlers and stuff like that, man. Those, like, it just, it just was fun, man. It was just a great time growing up as a kid during that time. Like, man. And people might be listening to this episode like, nah, bro. It doesn't seem like you can't get uh, let go to pass. Like, nah. It has nothing to do with it. It just, it's just that, like, man, growing up during that time, like, I really cherished my childhood. I really did. And the movies we had, man, the movies that we had, whether that was, like, hood movies or anything like that, like, we had, like, not every movie that came out was... You know what I'm saying just great. We had some. We had a bunch of stinkers in the '90s. I, I admit that. Uh, we had a bunch of movies like man, *Pulp Fiction*, *Jurassic Park*. Now, one movie that my niece and I used to like uh, was *Clueless*. Now, I think I don't think we can look at it the same now we're older. Like that's one of those movies that didn't age well. Uh, *Titanic*, *Forrest Gump*, uh, *The Matrix*, <laughs> *Goodfellas*. Woo! Uh, the sense sent uh, the sixth sense. Uh, Home Alone, uh, Toy Story, which is a series they still got to uh, carry on to this day. Man, it was just crazy. The 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 original Lion King, Goodwill Hunting, which is I think still my brother's Ralph, my uh, my big brother Ralph, one of his favorite movies to this day. Scream, Reservoir of Dogs. Uh man, it just uh we had like dumb and dumber. We just had some we had some crazy things going on in the nineties, but we also had great movies. Uh rest in peace to John Singleton, Boys in the Hood, which I feel like um it, it's messed up that he had to die in order to get his to get his recognition and get the praises that he did, man. Because 
what's going on now, as far as with the uh, gentrification in these neighborhoods, he was he basically wrote that in the movie, the part that uh, Lawrence Fishburne was talking about with Trey and Ricky. Like, hey, it's called gentrification. Like, when they basically start taking over these neighborhoods and stuff like that. And we see that to this day. And let you know how far, like, how ahead of a t- his time he was, man. So, rest in peace to, uh, to John Singleton. You will be very missed. Um, your uh, your show, Snowfall, is still doing great, man. We, we miss you. You are very missed, man. So, you are very missed. But... We had some movies in the 90s, man. Sandlot, uh, Ace Ventura, Space Jam, Hocus Pocus. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, I'm just reading off this uh, this list. I'm looking at Clerks. Um, we had some, oh, my God. We had some crazy movies growing up in that time, man. We had some crazy movies, man. And I say crazy. But it's just like, I just missed those times. Now, on to one of the favorite video games. Now, a lot of people would say the video games is probably better now because of the technology, because of the graphics and stuff like that. But, without no... Well, that, uh, there wouldn't be a future if it wasn't the past. And what I mean by that was the video games that we grew up playing, like, man, yeah, it was just fucking awesome. Like, like I said, my first system was a Super Nintendo. My very first system was a Super Nintendo. And the games that I used to play on that thing, Lord have mercy. And um, like of course Super Mario, uh, Super Mario World, The Legend of Zelda, uh, Yoshi's Island, F Zero, Donkey Kong, Star Fox, which is still one of my favorite games to this day. Tetris, also, also Mega Man, Super Mario Kart, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, uh, Killer Instinct. Uh, WWF Royal Rumble, uh, Super Mario 2, like, uh, we just, like, oh my god, we had some games for your ass, and then, when we moved on up, of course, uh, we're all gonna say Pac-Man, I can't forget Pac-Man, and also, we did have, just like anything else, we had some stinkers in the 90s when it came to video games, like Doom, and Home Alone game, and shit like that. And the and was it the Chris Cross game or oh, that was on Sega Genesis? I can't remember. Um, we had that like, but and also, but when uh when so we had the Sega, the Sega Saturn, and then when the PlayStation came in like in the mid '90s or whatever like that. Woo! I remember my brother Ralph had one man like when he first got it, and I used to be on it all the time if he wasn't at home. And all he just say, don't don't fuck up my shit. That's all he would say. And then I ended up getting my own uh, Nintendo 64. That is still my favorite game system to this day. That is. I'm sorry. That's still one of my favorite game systems to this day. Because Super Mario 64, 007 GoldenEye, 007 The World Is Not Enough. 
uh, Mario Kart 64, Star Fox 64, um, of course, Pokemon Snap, Pokemon Stadium, Mario Party, uh, Perfect Dark, um, Yoshi Story, uh, F-Zero X. That, I, man, I, it makes me reminiscing so much, man. I might end up getting me a, 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 a N64. And, of course, the best wrestling game ever was WWF No Mercy and also WCW NWO Revenge. Those are the best, best wrestling games of all time. I don't care what nobody say, man. I don't care. Uh, Tour Rock and my very first experiences playing uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. I remember when I got that game, the blue cartridge. I will never forget. I never forget when I got that game, man. Whew. It just, man, we had some games. Like we had some video games. We we had some great video games. Cruising USA. I just love that. And man. I just, I, I don't know, man. I'm just sitting there reminiscing about it. And uh, growing up during those times, man, uh, NBA jam days and stuff like that, man. It's just like, it was just so fun for us, man. We 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 looked out for each other. We played with each other. We, you know what I'm saying, we we were real friends. We looked out for each other, man. What if you was cousins or you were just, you was real tight with this person, man. We looked out for each other. And on to the best part. Which they always gonna call the '90s the golden era when it comes to what if it, if it, if it, if it, music, hip hop music. Now a lot of people might uh, disagree. Uh, a lot of people might disagree because you know that's what was the rise of gangster rap. And then, of course, they would say they would say um, they would say that basically what happened, basically gangster rap was the reason why. Like the like, there was like the increase in in the violence that was going on during the nineties and stuff like that. I mean, I would kind of agree to be honest with you. I, I would agree. Like along with the drugs and stuff like that, like you you had a heavy influence um you had had a heavy influence when it came to the when it came to the music and stuff like that, man. So so. But I just, it just, I just, I got, I'm sitting there reminiscing about this stuff like that. And just like, man, shit, I remember like now at 92 when Bill Clinton got elected. Even though I was like three years old, I still remember like uh, on the floor model TV, we had, we had a floor model TV. And I still remember just seeing his face on there, like the, uh, I think at the podium or something like that. I don't know how I remember that. Uh, and we like it was some crazy events that happened in the '90s. The Hurricane Andrew uh, it killed like 65 people, man, causing like 26 billion dollars in damage to Florida and other areas in the, in the U.S. and the Gulf Coast. Uh, man, it just it was a crazy thing, man. Uh, I remember in 93, the truck bomb exploding in the parking garage under the World Trade Center. Man, six people were killed. <sighs> man. Well, like I said, it was a crazy, it was like, it was a crazy time growing up, growing up during that time, man. Um, like I said, the music, 
uh, the music, man, like, that's where you saw the, like, the real birth of conscious rap. Um, well, actually, no, you had the, you, the, the conscious rap, uh, you saw that basically in the, you had, you had that in the eighties. It kind of, kind of drew in the early nineties, but gangster rap kind of kept all that, which I kind of wish that we still had conscious rap to this day. We do have it. It's just not on a bigger platform like it should be. I feel like how they got the trap rap and stuff like that. It should be basically on the same platform as should be on the same platform as the trap. I, I, I honestly feel that way. But man, I grew up listening to a whole lot of stuff, man. And me being from Memphis, that also includes the Memphis sound, also, man. Your eight ball MJGs, your um, your DJ Squeaky, DJ Zerk. Uh, shout out to DJ Zerk who's recovering right now. Uh, much prayers to your brother. Uh, you had uh, Kingpin, Skinny Pimp. You had the early the early emerge of Three Six Mafia, uh, who actually who they're on a reunion tour right now, man. So shout out to them. You had uh, 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 Gangsta Black. Uh, you had Gangsta Pat. Also, man, you had a lot of artists coming out of Memphis. And stuff like that, man. Shout out to Criminal Man. Shout out to um, Lil Blunt. Shout out to Endo G. Like we, like we had a whole roster of people, man. When it came to the the scene, the the music scene when it, in, in Memphis. But man, uh, I can remember uh, like every song was almost like the soundtrack of, of the '90s, man. You had your Tupac's, uh, who we just. Um, who was just celebrated, man? His uh, his anniversary death a couple of uh, couple of days ago, last Friday, and he's been gone for so long, man. It's just crazy, man. It's just it's it's crazy. It's like man, like can't believe he's been gone that long. R.I.P. to him and uh, Notorious B.I.G. Uh, we lost a lot of soldiers. We lost a lot of hip hop artists during the '90s. Also, Big L. Uh, we lost a lot of people, man. Uh, Lost Troy from the uh from Heavy D and the Boys. Uh, we we lost Heavy D also, man. We lost we lost a lot of uh, pioneers. We lost a lost we lost a lot of hip hop pioneers. But um, and then every song was like the soundtrack to the '90s, man. Naughty by Nature. You had Red, man. You had Hit Squad. You had Death Squad. You had uh Two Live Crew. You had Poison Clan. You had uh, you had the Ghetto Boys. You had uh, the South Circle. You had um, you had the whole Death Row camp. You had the Dog Pound, man. You had Ruthless Records. Uh, you had and you just had so much, man, coming out during that time. And you had uh, brand, you had uh, Brand Nubian. You had Chub um, uh, Rock. You had uh, Tila Rock. You had, like, we had so much stuff, like, stuff that started probably in the late 80s and made his way into the 90s and stuff like that. And one person and one entertainer who's still doing this thing that I, uh, I'm going to do an uh, appreciation episode on. Uh, one, I'm going to start doing that, uh, appreciating episodes for our artists that I feel like who don't get enough recognition like they deserve is Mr. MC Hammer. People might may laugh at me about this and stuff like that, but I'm sorry. Dude is very unappreciated, and he's underrated for the stuff that he brought to the music industry, man. Because if it wasn't for Hammer, 
the stuff that the other rappers experienced in the 90s, like the LLs and the Jamie Foxes and the Ice Cubes and stuff like that, like, if it wasn't for him, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have the stuff that we have today. Like, he showed people how to, like, basically... You turn, he turned rap into like a real business business. Like he basically, those corporations looked at him. It's like, cause they already turned their nose at rap. Like, okay, we can't invest in that. Look at what they're talking about. But he was a total package. The guy danced. He put on a great show. Now, a lot of people say, well, he wasn't as lyrical. Okay, not everyone was lyrical in the 90s. Not everyone. But he put out great music that stuff that like he put out great music that people can dance to and all ages from young to old can all come together and have a good time at his concerts. And not to mention the first ever hip hop album to go diamond. That's selling over 10 million records. The first hip hop album. So it's just a simple fact that I feel like Hammer is very uh underrated. He's very underappreciated for the, for what he has done for hip hop and stuff like that. Even though we we he's treated like a punching bag for his his past and stuff like that. What happened with him going bankrupt and stuff like that? But I feel like he should still be appreciated, just like they give all these 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 I am hip hop awards to these artists and stuff like that. I mean, they do deserve it, but I feel like why can't he get one? Like he done within that time, like when he was on top. And he basically took care of his whole neighborhood, going broke to take care of his people and stuff like that. You don't see stuff like that every day. You don't see stuff like that now. Now, a lot of people are like, man, you got me messed up. I ain't going broke. Just and all that type of stuff like that. Yes, that's understanding. But yet, y'all ain't trying to, out here trying to put people in better positions. Y'all ain't, y'all just thinking about yourselves. That's all y'all doing. And that guy wasn't selfish at all with his wealth. Like he was, he was trying to share it. And, and 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 what and also I feel like it's messed up when the people turned on him so quickly. Like damn, y'all was just Hammer fans not too long ago. Not everybody turned on him because the, it all started with the artists. They started dissing them and stuff like that, and they was just jealous because they was only selling like a, going gold or selling a million. This dude right here selling like selling 15 million records off one album, touring everywhere, Japan, headlining arenas that they couldn't even think of. So, just like he said in that interview, it was just jealousy. It was all jealousy. It was all jealousy, man. But we just, we had some great stuff in the, uh, we had some great stuff. Now, you did have the, uh, the, 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 the copycat, the vanilla ice and stuff like that. And, but, like I said, now everything in the 90s and, and during that time was all peachy and cream and all stuff like that, man. And also, I, I don't know how I forgot Another TV show that I grew up watching and I love and I still watch the reruns to this day. Uh, Robert Townsend's The Parenthood. I still love that show to this day, man. Like that was another T that was another black show that had blacks in the positive light. Man. I'm just reminiscing, man. Y'all, y'all forgive me, man. Uh, uh, it was that was another TV show, man, that had blacks in the much positive light. I miss it. And I, I just wish that kids today could have that type of stuff. That's all. I just wish kids today could have that type of stuff. So, and also, uh, then what, uh, and also, one of my favorite uh, eras during the time, um, 
um, far as doing the 90s and heading to the 2000s, uh, I would say it would be cash money, the early cash money, and then the the takeover of No Limit. Uh, me, from, me being from Memphis and stuff like that, I kind of saw it firsthand. Uh, my old, uh, my uh, big brother, Ralph, he basically was a fan of both. And as far as my musical style and the stuff I like, I got it from him. I got it from him, my older sister Tina, and my older sister Kim, and my uh, older sister Cedric. I mean, my older brother, sorry, my older brother Cedric. Uh, I always admired them and I always looked up to them. Uh, they were more than siblings to me. They were more like uh, like second parents. Like, they, because they had a hand in teaching me stuff, whether, whether they knew it or not. But as far as when it came to music, also, I always liked the stuff they liked. Like, uh, my big brother Ralph. He was the reason why I like lyrical stuff. Him and Cedric, my brother Cedric, he was a, they were the reason why I like lyrical stuff. And um, I would like all the stuff they would like. I would mostly make sure I I liked it also. Uh, it was because of my brother Ralph. I knew who uh, DMX was. Who who I knew because I knew who Mary J. Blige was. I knew who Busta Rhymes was when he first came out with his first solo album. Um, I knew who Nas was. I knew who uh, I knew who the Ghetto Boys and Scarface were. Um, it was a lot of artists. Like my brother would buy. Like he would bump anything. He would bump everything that was good. Uh, I remember when he first st- started getting the Cash Money uh, tapes and stuff like that. And he then had every No Limit tape. It was just crazy, man. And then to my uh, oldest cousin Tony, um, he was like the same. He was the reason why I knew all the Memphis stuff, like the early Yo Gotti from the rap game to the dope game and the self-explanatories. Uh, I don't know if it was his or not, but he also had an E-40 CD in there. And I, I, I'm still an E-40 fan to this day, man. Uh, all the Memphis stuff, like the all everything that had dealt with 3-6 Mafia, man, the Prophet Posse, all that stuff, the Ted the Club of Thugs, um, the Underground, the Coops of Niggas, uh, Rest in Peace, the Little Infamous, uh, Rest in Peace, uh, the Little White Albums, and all that stuff, the Frasier Boys, and I just, I just like, man, you had some stuff growing up during that time in the in the nineties, in the early two thousands, man. And what I also remember was, what I also remember, uh, I remember when uh, it was getting close to the year two thousand, man. Uh, the year 2000, and everybody was like panicking, thinking the world was going to end. It had people going out getting all these uh, these water bottles and these cans and these canned goods and this. It just it was just crazy during that time, man. It was just it was just crazy. And I remember where I was for that, cause my sister Tina, uh, she had all the kids, all, all all the kids over in our family for that, and we spent the night at her house. We had fun, man. It was this game uh, called uh, the Chicken Limbo. And that was used to be a, be a fun game. You try to do the limbo without hitting the chicken, and if you hit it, and like ah, bah, 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 gotcha. And uh, and that's what I'm also miss also about that time, man. Cause you know kids, they're so into technology these days. They don't even play with toys anymore. You do have kids um, who do play with toys every now and then, but most of these kids are too uh, into the tablets and the other devices and stuff like that, man. You uh, that's what you have these days. And that's what, you know, we had no choice but to play with toys and so that We didn't have access to computers and the internet and stuff like that. So we kind of had no choice but to play with toys and stuff like that, which I appreciate because it made me, it made us stay grounded. It made us stay in a child's place and stuff like that. And then also, 
one of the greater things about doing that time was one of uh, the one of the pastimes. Um, one of the great things I missed was uh, for those who are wrestling fans and stuff like that. Uh, the Attitude Era. The Attitude Era. Um, actually, the Monday Night Wars also between WCW and WWF. Yeah, like, uh, you, man, that, that, like, that, that was a rivalry. Like, kids would never know how it was. Uh, growing up in Memphis, um, uh, WCW Nitro would come on at 7 o'clock and Raw would come on at 8 o'clock. So, um, during this time, I'll be switching between like three channels, like because my homework would be already done. I went outside and played. I'll be switching from WCW, and then on UPN they had their late night shows where they have Moesha, the Park. Well, now the Parks wasn't out yet. Well, it wasn't out just yet. Moesha, Malcolm and Eddie, and um, some other shows too. I can't think of. And I would be switching from that to that to that. I'd be switching like, okay, Raw ain't on yet. WCW Moesha, WCW Moesha, like back and forth, back and forth. And then uh, when Raw come on, it'd be from WCW, Malcolm and Eddie, or whatever show was on UPN at that time, um, and Raw. And then once that show went off, it was just strictly the last hour, because uh, Nitro would go off at around like 9, and Raw would go off at 10. So, between the hours of 8 and 9, I'm switching between Raw and uh, Nitro. And then I catch the end of Nitro. And then I put out my focus into watching the rest of Raw. And it's just a, like, man, you can ne- you never know what was going to happen on each of these shows. You don't know who will show up because of the Monday Night Wars and stuff like that, man. It was just fun. And then when SmackDown came into play, oh, man, in 99... Lord have mercy. SmackDown turned everything up because it was on the local channel. It was on UPN. So everybody had the chance to watch it if you didn't have cable. And then that's what I also miss about during that time. Even when if you didn't have cable, you still had a chance. You still had great TV. Like you still had like, no, having cable was cool. But so we didn't have cable all the time. We didn't have cable all the time. If, if it wasn't bootleg or nothing like that, then we didn't have it. And even during that time, we had great shows that would come on TV that you can sit and, and enjoy television without having to have cable. And that's how it was during that time for us, man. It was just, it was just pure fun. Yeah, and it was just pure fun, man. It was just growing up during that time for us. It was, it was just fun. Mm-hmm. Now, uh. I did make a post about um, asking people to tell me about their experiences growing up during that time, and uh, one person only responded. That's my homie, uh, Jason the Remedy George on Facebook. If people want to add him, make sure you get him. Uh, Jason the Remedy George. He's uh, also an independent hip-hop artist. He's, he's bumping dudes. He's nice with the flows and the, uh, the lyrical ability. And he was the only one that responded to it, but... I'm, uh, in a minute, I'm about to read uh, what he, basically his response to my post. But yeah, man, once, but 
like I was saying earlier, once it got to like the year 2000, you saw all the black TV shows and stuff like that just start going away and you start seeing more of these other TV shows and stuff like that, man. And that's where it, it really started to go downhill for us. And it was just crazy. It, it was just crazy for us, man. It was just crazy during that time. Like, you, you didn't really see as many black TV shows during that time, so. Um, and But, like, then we got to the early 2000s. Now, when it came to... It seemed like, if I don't know if it was me, because it seemed like the 90s were more rugged and rough. But when we got to the early 2000s, everything was, like, colorful. Everything was, like, fun. And for us, you know, teenage years. So, when we got to the year 2000 and stuff like that, man, it was just... It was just crazy. Uh, it was just fun for us teenagers and stuff like that, man. We just... It was just really fun. And, like, now, I can honestly say the music, it kind of got more flashy. That's when you saw the arrow, the bling bling, and the video vixens, and just all that type of stuff, which... I feel like, you know, we'll complain about, oh, man, hip-hop is dead now, but we basically kind of had a hand in basically trying to kill it. If we say hip-hop is dead, then we had a hand in killing it because as far as us, the consumers, we bought into all that, man. We bought into the, the whole facade of the MTV Cribs and stuff like that, man. We we bought, in, we bought into that. So if we, if I, one thing I would say, if we sit there and want to blame people for that, uh, if we want to blame people for that, then we need to blame ourselves. We the ones that bought into all this stuff, and you know we bought into it, and we made these people rich. And they were like, okay, if they we if they if we was able to sell four million copies of that album, okay, we're gonna push out more, push out more, push out more. So, <coughs> so, but uh, here's what Jason the Remedy uh, George had to say about uh, about what he missed about that time. Uh, I miss the way humans re uh, uh, uh shit damn postman stroll. I miss the way human interaction was before the overexposure of technology. Boom! I said that in the beginning. I said that in the beginning. Um, like that was like cool, like. Before you can go text somebody or email somebody or hit them up on their Facebook page or something like that, hey, where you at? You like you had to be around people to interact with them and stuff like that. Now, like even like we didn't even talk on the phone as much. If we did, it's on some late night type stuff. But we mostly hung out with each other, man. Um, I miss being able to happen upon people uh, upon by fate. I miss the cartoons. Just like I said, we had the best cartoons. We had the best TV shows and all that stuff. I feel like we did. Uh, I miss having to go over somebody's house and having to bring your controller to play split screens. Oh, man, I remember them days. Especially with the Nintendo 64 and stuff like that. Like, hey, bro, make sure you bring your joystick and all that stuff. I used to go with my uh, best friend Terrell and Leslie's house and stuff like that and make sure I bring the extra controller or bring two of them. Cause it'll be a bunch of us over there, so we can play four players on a uh, No Mercy or uh, NW, WCW NWO Revenge or stuff like that. Uh, what else did he say? 
He said a lot of stuff in this. Uh, I miss being one of the lucky few with a computer and internet so I could tell my friends about the cool stuff I found. Now, I, that's something that I, he, he, he's talking about his experience. Now, I can only imagine how I would be if I had internet during that time and stuff like that. So, uh, I miss printing out our pictures of characters from anime and keeping them in the photo. Boy! Those were the days, man. Collecting, like, printing off those Dragon Ball Z pictures and stuff like that. Like, the newest Trunks and the newest Goku and Gohan pictures and stuff like that. And, like, collect them and ensure like that. And then, like, how we used to collect the trading cards, like, baseball cards, uh, football cards, uh, Pokemon, Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And, uh, like, that, that type of stuff right there. Showing people, hey, I got this, I got this, I got that. Like, those right there were some great times. Uh, I miss playing Pokemon Silver Virgin, discovering that after you get all the badges and beat the Elite Four, you got to go to the, the Kanto, I guess I'm pronouncing it right, and get those eight badges and then finding Ash in a cave and battling him. Damn. I miss the way fast food used to hit in the 90s. Now, I will agree with that because, yeah, I mean, man, I don't know, maybe because we were, we were kids and we was like, maybe, it's, it, I don't know, but food seemed like they were much better then. Food was much better then. Uh, I miss the old Capri Suns. Like, yeah, I remember those old Capri Sun pouches. Uh, just like I said earlier, he's like, uh, I miss all our old TV shows. Are You Afraid of the Dark? All that, Kenny and Kale, figure it out. Legends of the Hidden Temple, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Big Bad Beetle Boys. Like, he's like, he can, he can go on. I wish he would have. Uh, I'm going to have to make sure I get him on the show, man. Like, we can, uh, me and him can speak on that and stuff like that. But, uh, like I said, and shout out to, uh, shout out to home, uh, Jason the Remedy George. Shout out to him. Uh, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Shout out to you. Uh, most likely, you, you will be a guest on the, guest on the podcast. But, like I said, uh, those times, man, like, growing up as a kid in those times, man, it was just fun, man. Especially growing up in Memphis. Like I said, I was, uh, my favorite two eras, as far as the music, was the No Limit and the uh, cash, the early cash money era. And, man, people might not agree that they, I'm saying Master P was the best rapper, but he was the best businessman. And I feel like he's another person who doesn't get his just doing his music business. I feel like he's not gonna get that until he die, which I feel like this that's messed up. That's that's really messed up. I feel like he should get his praises now. Like far as like when they passing out these icon uh these hip hop icon awards and stuff like that, P is long overdue for that. P is long overdue for those awards. Because he was able to do something that these so-called other moguls weren't able to do. All these other moguls selling it for these label, these joint venture deals. But P had an 80-20 split. Or 20, well, how, how, yeah, 80-20, 80-20. Like, where he kept 80% of his profits while the, the label got 20%. And then they signed to him not knowing that, okay, he's just only going to probably sell a couple hundred thousand. This dude sold 75 million records independently within like four or five years. Like, who does that? Like, you will never see another Master P like that ever again, man. You will never see that. And then 
Um, my brother Ralph, he was also a great collector of the. Uh, actually, him and a bunch of them, my other family members, they was like, they was copping them no limit, uh, them no limit albums, man. You saw anything with that tank on it, you bought it. And he had drop albums dropping out every dropping out every two weeks. Yo, what it do, world? It's your boy JJ Moss checking in right now. This is part two of the second episode of the Moss Talk podcast, where I talk to you guys about my experiences growing up during the '90s and the early 2000s. Now, where I left off in my last episode, where I was speaking on my favorite hip hop movements, and uh, one of my favorite hip hop movements was the No Limit, No Limit Records um, movement, and uh, what I was saying was. I feel like Master P does not get the props that he he deserves, man. He doesn't get praised like he deserves. Not saying that he should be praised like God, but I feel like he should get more credit and recognition for what he's what he done, what he has done, far as in hip hop, because nobody has never done that. You can name all the other moguls who, who, all the other moguls and stuff like that, but. When it comes to the history that man made within that time, within that time period from like '96 to like 2000 or like that, I I would say '95 to 2000. Like Master P had it on lock, like basically treating the the, the hip hop game, the industry, like it was the like it was the dope corner. The first and fifteenth is how he was dropping albums. Then every two weeks, and basically, people see that no limit tank on that uh, on those album covers. People were automatically snatching them up. They probably never even heard of those artists, and they will probably still get them. And that's the reason why so many of those albums were selling so many uh, al- uh, so many units. Then every album going gold or platinum. Like that's why if you follow Master P, you see he got so many plaques on his wall and stuff like that. Even though he was like basically the biggest selling artist on his own label, which hey, why not be? But nobody was I'm saying nobody was selling records like him. And I think DJ Paul mentioned it in like an old Vlad TV interview, like when basically major labels were pushing their artists uh release dates back when they found out if they was releasing their artists albums on the same week or the same day as a no limit artist because most likely you're not going to end up getting the number one spot because whatever if it was no limit it was going to number one it was topping the billboard charts it was selling these 200 300,000 this first week and you know, and then you will see that how Master P would and almost every magazine he buying ads to let you know what's coming here, what's coming here. And then you opened up the booklets, and me, look at me sounding so old school. Uh, when you uh, go buy a No Limit album, you open up the booklets and stuff like that. You will see he already got the release dates for these albums. This coming this week. This coming this month. This coming on this day and stuff like that. And like. You'll never see a movement like that ever again. Like, man, dude dominated the rest of the 90s, especially after Biggie and Pac died. It was a real, 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 it was like a large void. void. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. My throat is so dry. I need to take some more water. But that was, um, it was a real big void 
that need to be filled in hip hop because we we had just took like two like major losses with the two biggest names in the game. We lost them, man. Like they was young too, man. It was they they was young, young as hell. It was too young to even. We lost them, and it's like everybody basically tried to put out so many artists. These labels tried to put out I many artists trying to search for their uh, their clones, these pop clones, these biggie clones, and stuff like that. And you know, P he kind of basically he was already up and coming. He was already up and coming doing this thing in Richmond, California, and stuff like that. But. Once he basically got the deal with Priority, the 80-20 deal, where he keep 80% of his profits and they only get 20. And, of course, they signed him to this deal not knowing that he's going to basically take over this stuff. And I know, I'm pretty sure, they was kicking themselves in the ass when basically when after the Ice Cream Man album went go and then he started releasing like the uh, Bout It, Bout It uh, soundtrack, which went platinum and went number one on the Billboard charts. I bet they started kicking themselves in the ass because they had no choice but to uh, start putting out the other albums. They under contract and they start seeing that movement happen and all them other albums start coming out, start coming out, start coming out. Like P, it was like that he was treating that. Uh, he was treating that albums like ammo towards the industry, cause you know they wouldn't let him in. Cause you know, of course, especially during that time, they never accept. They never really accepted the South, cause you see what happened when Outkast won a brand new artist at the Source Awards. Or well, what was that? 95, 96, 95, um, 94, 95, 96, one of them. Um, it was definitely wasn't but it was when Outkast won there and Andre got on stage and said the South got something to say and they were just booing the hell out of them and stuff like that, man. It was just, it, it, they didn't accept the South because they was too busy doing with this fight, this fake East Coast, West Coast rivalry. But, of course, they thought, they, they could never fathom that a Southern businessman other than somebody like Jay Prince or Luke Skywalker and uh, Tony Draper. Though, I'm saying those dudes, they were doing it big, but they wasn't selling like how P was. And even and then P, you know, he always give him give Jay Prince and the rest of them their praises. Like you guys were doing it before me. But no one was selling records like No Limit. And then when they got Mystical, they got Fiend, Mia X, Skullduggery, Kane and Abel, Silta Shaka, um, uh, Mr. Servon, Mac. Mm, I'm, I'm missing some people, man. Uh, 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 Prime Suspects. They had uh, uh, Young Bleed. Um, it's, they, had, they had a roster. And when they signed Snoop, it was a wrap. And when they signed Snoop Dogg, man. And that's why... Like, No Limit was one of my favorite, like, movements, man. No Limit was one of my favorite movements, man, because nobody saw that coming. And then, like I said, they would never give Master P his praise because the simple fact, because he's a Southerner. As I, my, I, like, people might not believe that. People might, might not agree with me when it comes to that, but I always felt like the Diddy's, the uh, Dame Dash, and because it was an interview when they was... Uh, it was a it was an old interview. This was after the Rockefeller split happened. Um, after the Rockefeller uh, Rockefeller split happened, 
um, they interviewed Bobby ba- uh, Bobby Dash, which is Dame Dash's brother, and he tried to play like he didn't know who Master P was. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 the Percy Miller uh, Master P. Him. Yeah, they tried to play it off. I'm like, I know damn, you know damn well you know who Master P was. Because I felt like they hated on him because the rest of these so-called moguls and CEOs had to run to Def Jam and run to these other labels to get their distribution deals. But Master P did it a whole different way where he kept his profits. He kept 80% of his profits. 80%. And then back then, people buying CDs and tapes. Tapes going for like what? I can't remember the prices on tapes. But I know CDs was high as hell because, you know, not too many people had CD players. So CDs going for like $14.99, $14.99, at, I'm saying round it up with taxes, that's $15. And tapes going for like $9.99. And P was keeping a large percent of his profit. And like I said, I'm pretty sure priority was kicking themselves in the ass because, like, damn, look at all this money we missing out on. But you can't help the fact that P basically was a smart business dude. He went to college. He basically got the game from Michael Jackson's lawyer. Like he he's like nah man because he he saw it already he saw these artists out here getting pimp he saw these artists out here basically getting played he saw these artists out here basically just getting ripped off they, yeah they look all flashy and shiny and stuff like that um on on TV but yet these folks uh, these dudes ain't got no real money in the banks they letting these execs. And these record labels and these CEOs make all the big bucks while they give them the pennies. And P wasn't going for that, man. P was not going for that, man. And that's why uh, also uh, for those who uh, who are listening to this podcast right now, I will be doing a segment um, episodes called Unappreciated where I basically speak on either the moguls or the artists in hip hop. Or in R&B, they are very unappreciated, and I feel like they don't get the props they deserve, whether they're deceased or whether they're still living with us. Because um, they quit the... They, in this day and age, I see that they quit to appoint, appoint anyone a legend. Like, they are so quick to throw that word around that it's ridiculous and it's sickening. They so quick to throw the word legend around. Like, everybody ain't a legend. I'm sorry. Everybody isn't a legend. I mean, they may feel like they're a legend in their own right, but I feel like you're a legend when you contribute something to hip-hop and you change the game. And I feel like Master P definitely did that. And that's why I feel like they they didn't want him back in the industry. So, they I think once he, uh, like I said, once he messed up, and left the company in somebody else's hands when he went to go pursue the NBA dream. And I picked, like, them, like, them, the rest of those label heads and stuff like that, they was happy. Because, you know, by the time 99, 2000 came, No Limit was kind of like, it died, it died down. I mean, they were still releasing stuff, but they wasn't hot as they were, as they were in, like, 96, 97, 98. Like, they were scorching. And I'm pretty sure they, them execs was happy. Them execs was freaking happy because the simple fact that oh, we ain't got to worry about uh, No Limit no more and dropping them albums because though it went from basically them selling millions, you know, they only going like the uh, true album. 
Because the truth was big. Like, they sold two million independently. And then the next album they dropped with the Hootie Hoos and stuff like that, that only went gold. But only people who stayed consistent was, like, far as with Platinum was Silk the Shocker and C Murder. C Murder had, and I don't know if people ever noticed, C Murder had a very, very, very diehard fan base. Like, um... He had a very diehard fan base, man. Like, C-Murder had a very diehard fan base. And, and I'm going to say that right now. Free C-Murder. Hope they free him. Like, whenever, man. Free BG. Free Matt. Uh, it's free all of them, man. Free all those guys, man. Free all those guys. But C-Murder had a very, 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 very diehard fan base. He still has it to this day, man. He still has it to this day. But by the time, like, No Limit kind of died down, that's when it came in the Cash Money, which was one of my favorite, well, another one of my favorite movements. Uh, it was crazy because me, uh, for those who don't know, uh, my, my nephew, K. Moore the Goat, the comedian who's doing this thing right now, shout out to him, and I will be interviewing him very soon. Uh, him and his older sister, which is my niece, uh, Erica, we used to pretend we was the hot boys. I was juvenile, K Moore was BG, and my niece Erica was Lil Wayne, and that was our favorites. And you know, we didn't have anybody to be Turk, so we just like, okay, whatever. But a shout out to Young Turk though. And we used to pretend we was the hot boys and stuff like that because you know, Cash Money had taken over, and this is before. Um, well, I wouldn't say this was before, but this is right at the peak of like when 400 degrees was like dominating the charts. Because when it came out in November of '98, I remember when my big brother Ralph bought it. I'll never forget. Um, I like I remember. Um, shit, 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 shit. He uh came to uh came to my mom's house. Um, he was working like two jobs at the time, and I think he didn't have to go to his other job, but him working so much, he was worn out. So he ended up, I guess he would always go to this place uh, that we had in our area. I want to say it was Cat's Music. If I'm not mistaken, it used to be on Lamar Avenue in Memphis. And I think that's where he would get his, it was a stereo shop too, if I'm not mistaken. So that's where he would get most of his uh, albums and his tapes from. And, and so he put it on. I'm sitting there watching, uh, what was on it today? Celebrity Deathmatch. So I'm watching Celebrity Deathmatch and... You know, he had turned it on, and my mom, she hated rap. My mom hated rap. She hated any of that crap. She hated all that shit. So, luckily, she was in her room uh, either talking on the phone or to one of my aunts or something like that. But he had came in there. uh, He said, well, I got that new juvenile. Because this one, I was like, I was watching the uh, the box, uh, the box, uh, the jukebox channel where she had all the videos. And... I used to love, I was in love with the video hump. That was my shit. Me and my partner, uh, my one of my one of my best friends back in elementary school, DeMarco. Shout out to him, man. Uh, we used to love the shit out that video. We down there, we'll see each other, we'll start singing the chorus. Young people chasing, you got your block on fire, remaining the G. Until the moment you expire, you know what it is. Until nothing, I stop. Like, that shit, that was our shit. And so seeing that, and then what my brother would do, he didn't like, 
when he got on Cash Money, he basically started buying their old stuff too before they got to deal with Universal. He he bought BG old albums. He bought the Big Timers old albums. He bought the Hot Boys first album. He bought Juvenile Soldier Rag album. He bought all their old stuff before they started releasing all their new stuff. Like all the stuff that got released right after 400 Degrees. Like he started buying all that stuff. So I was well equipped. And, you know, I was, I, I got caught on to cash money. And when, uh, what album came after that? I think, I want to say BG's album came out after that. I can't remember, man. I, I should have wrote notes, but I'll be prepared next time. But I'm just reminiscing, man. But uh, after 400 Degrees and stuff like that, because, you know, it, even Juvenile said it, it took a while for people to catch the 400 Degrees buzz. And because, you know, he's like, he was in New York and people didn't know who he was. And like when he first came out that week, it came out like getting close to 99. It's November 98. He was like, man, did nobody know who he was and stuff like that going to New York. And he's like, they weren't even, they hadn't even cracked gold yet. So when it's basically uh, when I guess Funk Flex and all of them started playing, huh, in New York, that's when the buzz really started get like everybody started getting behind cash money because like at this time no limit was not really like that because at this point you seeing master p on you seeing master p down there you see this nigga on wcw nitro and stuff like that and it's like what the hell and you seeing them playing with like playing with the raptors and seeing him doing interviews on bet and stuff like that because he left he left no limit records to be ran by somebody else and I feel like that was his one of his downfalls along with basically falling out with Beast by the Pound. I honestly, I, don't, I will never know what what really happened, but I know for sure that I would never, I would patch this shit up. I would suck that pride up and pay them dudes what they were supposed to have been paid and settle all this stuff. I'm like, come on, man, let's get back to work. But, you know, um, um, P is a tourist, and I'm a tourist, and sometimes, like, we let our pride get in the way of a lot of stuff, so, but this is at the time, like, once No Limit was out the picture, Cash Money took over, Cash Money took over, like, once they got the, they was already taking over within the South and stuff like that on their independent shit, but once they got the deal with Universal and, and, and stuff like that, oh, man, it was a wrap, and then... Uh, Han came out, follow me now, and then when the summertime of 99, oh, when Back That Ass Up came out, it was definitely a wrap. It was, uh, it was definitely a wrap for that. And then that's when you really started to see the cash money explosion. You, like, BG's Chopping City in the Ghetto was still one of my favorite BG albums. You, uh, the Hot Boys album, which came out in July of 99. Uh, Lil Wayne's uh, Block Is Hot album. That's my favorite Lil Wayne. I don't give a fuck. People always quit to say that they didn't like that Lil Wayne. That was the Lil Wayne that I felt like that was the beast. I mean, I was I, I would never give uh, take props away from Wayne and take away his legendary status and what he's done in this game and stuff like that. But that was my personally favorite Lil Wayne, the Block Is Hot Wayne. A lot of people didn't like that, but I felt like dude was fucking lyrical as fuck on that level. But, you know... It is what it is, you know what I'm saying? People got their opinions and people got their choices of what they like and what they do not like. So it is what it is. But um, 
but that's when you saw the cash money explosion, the bling bling era and stuff like that. Now a lot of people feel like that's when hip hop really started to kind of get started to get watered down and dying. But you know, of course, me being who I am and being at that age, I didn't look at it like that. Older cats did because of what they grew up on. A lot of them came from the 80s and stuff like that, and not a lot of them didn't like the 90s stuff. A lot of them didn't and uh, like the 90s uh, music, but when bling bling and stuff like that came around uh when you saw that a lot of people didn't like that because it was like it's too flashy and stuff like that and like i said with me being a child being a kid growing up looking at that stuff i liked it because you know he basically kind of didn't know no better but now like i knew everybody's verse on bling bling and then like i said the hot boys album came out it was two days before fourth of july um yeah, my brother was bumping it. Uh, I can remember we went to uh, we went to this place called uh, I think it's a Sardis, Mississippi. We went to Sardis. It was a lake or a beach or one of them. And my brother had a uh, red Chevrolet drop top, and we was bumping that album all day. Man, I remember that man. I I will never forget that man. Bumping that Hot Boys album all the way from back to full. Bumping it all week. As a matter of fact. Uh, man, that was like that. Like, I it was just I had some great times, man. It was some great times, man. Like me, my niece Erica, and uh, Kmore, we were basically man, like I said, we 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 consider ourselves the hot boys. And I can remember, um, I uh, driving around, uh, we in the back seat of the drop top, the roof back. Bumping that, uh, we on fire and all the whole album and stuff like that. And just like, man, that was fun, man. It was just, it was like very, very fun. But, um, and also another favorite movement with his mind was home, uh, a home based movement, which hypnotized minds, which was ran by DJ Paul and Juicy J. Now, hypnotized minds, I feel like they should have been bigger than what they were. And I'm going to say this because just like with any other movement that you had during the 90s, every like they had artists that had their talents. Like you had you had the Rough Riders who had Eve, Dragon, uh, the Locks, uh, their, main, their number one star, D, uh, DMX. And uh, who else? You had the Rockefellers. You had the uh, Jay. You had um, Memphis Bleak. You had Benny Siegel. You had a Mill. Um, who else they had at the time, man? Uh, well, during it like the late '90s, like Rockefeller didn't really develop a crew until after they got it. the rest of those dudes from Philly, like the State Properties and stuff like that. Um, but they only I mean, they were signed, uh, like uh, Emilio and Sparks, uh, Young Guns. All of them were signed like in '99, but you didn't really see them or he, uh, you didn't hear them to like the early 2000s, like when. Uh, the Dynasty album came out, the Blueprint, uh, Blueprint 2, and stuff like that. But, uh, like I said, one of my other favorite movements was Hypnotized Minds because it was basically homegrown. It was from the city of Memphis. So, I felt like Hypnotized Minds could have been bigger than way what... To be bigger, they could have been bigger than what they were as far as the movement because they already had the best production styles. Like, what no, like besides Beast by the Pound, Beast by the Pound, DJ Squeaky, Hypnotized Minds, um, those like those, um, and Manny Fresh. 
Like, if I was in the South, like, those were the best pro- pro- producers. Those were the best freaking producers, man. It was, just, it was just crazy, man. It was just crazy. And like I said, they had a squad on them. Hypnotized Minds had a fucking squad that I feel like they... I don't know. Like, I would never know because, of course, I'm not an industry insider, so I wouldn't know what happened or what went on. But I feel like they had, like, enough talent to where they could have took over the game. But it felt like, I guess... Um, they was like more focused on the 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 the, the success of Three Six Mafia because they had um, they had people like Lord Infamous and Coops the Nigga. May they rest in peace. Country Black. They had Gangsta Boo. They had Lil Chat, Project Pat, T Rock, Fraser Boy, uh, Lil Rock, uh, Lil White. I'm sorry, uh, Chrome uh, Chrome Boogie Man, Granddaddy South, uh, Young Geek. MC Max, Scam Man, M Child, K Rock, Indo G, Mr. Dale. And um, they had a they had a squad, man. They had a freaking squad, but it's just the fact that, you know. I don't know. Maybe it was because how everything was going as far as in the industry with the uh Cause they had a they had a deal with Loud. Their, their 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 deal was with Loud Records. Yeah, their deal was with Loud Records, and uh, once I think Loud folded, and basically all their artists went to Sony. So man, I don't know, but I feel like they should have been bigger than what they were. They should have been way 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 bigger than what they uh, what they were. They should have been way bigger than what they were when it came to uh, when it came to basically the movement of hip hop. They should have been way bigger than what they were, but you know, it is what it is. Cause, but a lot of those artists always said that you know they was getting cheated over like that. Uh, they they got cheated. Uh, DJ Paul and Juicy J wasn't really paying people uh, right. Uh, wasn't fair as far as with the payments and stuff like that. And I don't know. They said that about a lot of these uh, labels and stuff like that. And a lot of people really didn't get the business. A lot of people didn't really uh, understand the business or learn the business until after they was on those labels and learn what was this, what was publishing, what was uh, mechanical uh, mechanical uh, rights and all that stuff, man. Splits. And, oh, man. It was just a lot of people didn't know anything about that stuff, man. A lot of people didn't know anything about that stuff, so... But that was one of my favorite, another one of my favorite movies, cause man, Three Six was bumping, like Three Six was banging out some like hits, like. And then with us being in Memphis, even the stuff that wasn't on the radio in other places, it was on the radio down in uh, down in Memphis, like songs that probably people never heard. Like it took so long for people to get on Slava Manap, which is a classic, but. We been knew that. Like, we, that was like one of the songs we knew about hard as kids, even though we weren't supposed to be rapping about that type of stuff. Um, but we didn't rap it around our parents. We wrapped around, we wrapped it uh, when we was around amongst each other. So, that was like a lot of my favorite movements, man. Uh, the Rough Riders, uh, Rockefeller, uh, 
hypnotized minds, cash money, no limit. Uh, Swab House, Swab House had a uh, squad too. And uh, of course, with me being in front of the same hood as them, uh, A-Ball and MJG, I am doing an unappreciated episode on those guys. I feel like they don't get enough credit or they don't get mentioned with the best groups. They always quit to mention UGK and uh, Outkast and uh, they'll say Goody Mob or the whole Dungeon family. And, like People will, like, will forget A-Ball and MJG. And I don't see how. So they will I will be doing an unappreciated uh episode on those guys right there. Big up to Ball and G still doing their thing. Um They've been doing their thing for a very long time. That's, I'm gonna say that, man. I'm gonna there's nothing I'm gonna say the rest of that for the uh unappreciated episode. <coughs> but also uh, my time growing up during the 90s and the early 2000s, uh, for those who didn't know, I was, uh, I still am a little bit, but not as big as a fan if I used to be as a child, but I was really heavy on wrestling. And I started watching wrestling around, I always watched it, but I didn't become a fan of it until like mid to late 90s. And what made me really get into it because of my older brother's uh, era and Jason. We was at my Aunt Clara's house. Uh, at the time, my Uncle uh, Jonas was living with her. And her house was like how the house was structured. As soon as you walk in the house to the left, because actually we used to live in that house. Me, my moms, my, uh, all my siblings, we lived in that house first, like back in the day, like years prior. So uh, how this house was, as soon as you walk in, it's the, you walk into the uh, front door, it's the living room, and to the left is uh, a bedroom. And... When we stayed there, it was my mom's room. But when my aunt Clara lived there, it was her and her, my uncle Robert's room. So you um, walk to the back, and in the middle was supposed to be a den. But I think that's where my uncle Jonas uh, slept it. And so he had this big screen TV and stuff like that. And he used to order the pay-per-views. He would order the pay-per-views and stuff like that. And I think it was King of the Rain 97 or 98. And I could remember... Me watching it with them, and like I'm clueless to what's going on. Uh, I'm clueless to what's going on, who these people were, and stuff like that. And then they laughed at me when I pronounced, uh, I said it was supposed to be X Pac, but I said X Pac, and they laughed at me. I'm like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, bro, I don't watch this like y'all do, because my older brothers was heavy on like the NWO and everything that was going on in WCW and stuff like that. So after that night. Uh, that's what made me get into it. And then, like, the next pay-per-view I saw was, uh, was it Bad Blood? I want to say it was Bad Blood. Uh, this was when Kane and Undertaker, uh, was going through their rivalries and stuff like that. And that's when me and my nephew, uh, came more, started watching wrestling even more. And that's when I really became a wrestling fan. So I kind of got into it when the Attitude Era was, like, kind of kicking off and stuff like that and those were the days also man and there was another time that can never be repeated which is the attitude era a lot of people feel like it's probably coming back now um maybe maybe not but i feel like that is an era that would never be repeated it can't be repeated because things are not the same as they once were meaning like tv um just the world, like, everything was so different during that time, man, and, you know, uh, of course, my first favorite wrestler was The Rock, 
Uh, shout out to The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, who's a very, very, very big Hollywood movie star right now. But uh, but the the people that you had during that time, it was just crazy, man. You had you had The Rock, you had Undertaker, you had Stone Cold Steve Austin, you had Mankind. You had so many people during that time. Like everybody mattered, also. Everybody mattered during the during the Attitude Era. Kane. Like you had the Godfather, you had Mark Miro, you had Midian, you had uh, the Blue Mania. I know a lot of people probably be like, why are you like, why are you telling these people now? Like, hey, they was around. You had Jacqueline, you had Sable, you had uh, during a little bit of time, you had Sonny. Um, who else, man? Of course, you had Triple H. Um, and then once, like, in the 2000s came and stuff like that, because you had, um, and also during that time, we lost a very, very great performer by the name of Owen Hart in 1999, man. Um, I, I was supposed to watch that pay-per-view. Um, I think I was supposed to, my brother Ralph had, like, a watch party, but my mom said I couldn't go because it was a school night the next night. So she was like, no, because... I'm not finna have you going out, and they bring you back late, and then you got to go get up and go get ready for school the next day. So my mom didn't let me go. I was mad, but I was all right. Um, um, it was just crazy, man. It it was just crazy, and then that's when uh, the next day. People came to school uh, telling like, man, you seen what happened to Owen Hartman? We think he died, and all this. I'm like, damn. So. I was like, I was supposed to watch that pay-per-view that night, but my mom didn't let me go. But, so rest in peace to Owen Hart. You will always be missed, man. And, but, like I said, the Attitude Era, like, the stuff that they had during the Attitude Era that they put on TV, you would never see on TV ever again. You would definitely never. As sensitive and stuff like that, like, that this era is when it comes to TV and stuff like that, you can't put none of that stuff because you can't even say anything anymore, man. You can't call anybody a fag. You can't do anything without somebody coming at you, like trying to get you to apologize for something and stuff like that. So, I was like a real, real, real big wrestling fan, man, growing up. I used to make my own championship belts. Used to... uh, had the uh, action figures and stuff like that. It was so bad. Like when I used to be in class in elementary school, I would basically, once I'm done with my work, and I would play wrestling with my pencils. But uh, and then once the 2000s hit, which is still my favorite year of WWE, I was WWF at the time. Like that's my favorite year, man. Like that stuff was like just crazy. Even though everything wasn't all good, wasn't perfect like anything else. Like anything else. Um you just basically like you, you had to be there like to experience it because it's different between when you go back and look at it and like the people like damn, but do like just to experience it and stuff like that because you didn't see stuff like that. Like the, when Stone Cold driving 18 wheelers through the arena and stuff like that, man. Like, But when 2000 hit, 
it was crazy, man. Like when you saw finally, like when Triple H, Triple H was the perfect heel. Like he did his job during that time. He was the perfect bad guy. People was paying to see Triple H get his ass whooped, and people were pissed and mad because he would win. He would cheat the win. What if he had DX and stuff like that? Which one of my another favorite groups, D Generation X? If I got two words for you, suck it. And we got a lot of us got in trouble for that shit too. Oh man, so many people got in trouble for going around the school and saying suck it. But uh, the two year, the year two thousand man, it was just it was great. It was great, man. It was just it was just great, 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 great. It was great for wrestling because you just basically you had like all the superstars. You had everything would just seem just like just almost meshed so perfectly, man. And you had people who came in like uh, Chris Benoit, you had Eddie Guerrero, you had Demon Linko, you had Perry Saturn, you had Kurt Angle, you had Chris Jericho, uh, all these people who defected from WCW and stuff like that. And which, I, and what's crazy was I didn't really watch WCW until it started going downhill. I didn't become a WCW fan. I became a WCW fan at the wrong time. Once they started going downhill and stuff like that, that's when I started to watch it. And I went to a Thunder taping also. Uh, my stepdad took me to a, a taping of Thunder like in December of 2000. That's when they was like crappy. That's when they went downhill. So, um, like I said, man, the year 2000 for wrestling, it was just, it was great, man. It was just, it was just great. It was just, ah, oh, man. It's, just make, it's like I'm reliving my childhood all over again, man. But, um, but like I said, when it came to hip hop, a lot of people felt like that was the downfall of hip hop, cause you had like nothing but the flashy stuff and stuff like that. So, um, you had a lot of artists coming out doing at that time, uh, cause I was uh, I was a big Nelly fan, uh, I was Ludacris fan. Uh, a lot of artists like they had that 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 new wave and stuff like that that was coming in the game and stuff like that. People, these new acts and stuff like that. So I was a real big fan of these people, man. Like uh, I feel like they're legends in the game. So, but also one thing I don't miss, I like one thing I don't miss about that era is hmm, what I don't miss about that. Of course, I would never wear skinny jeans or anything like that. But, of course, I've wore some before. I had, like, two, three pairs in my life. I, I admit. But I would never want the baggy shit. Like, the, it was just, it was ridiculous. It was, I, that fashion shit was ridiculous, man. That fashion stuff was ridiculous. But growing up during those times, man, it was fun, man. Especially, uh, like, far as, like, you passing off, uh, you trading tapes and CDs. Hey, man, listen to this and stuff like that. And that's when also the radio used to be good, man. That's when the radio used to be good. Like, that's when the radio used to be fucking great, man. I remember those days, like, uh, I'll have a little money on me. I'll go to, to the dollar store and buy uh, some cassette tapes so I can make my own mixtapes and stuff like that. Like, man, those days used to be, oh, man, when the radio, before they sit there, before Clear Channel bought all the radio stations and stuff like that, that's why you hear, that's why for the past 15 years, you've been hearing the same six to eight songs and all day and stuff like that, they'll probably play one throwback joint, 
and stuff like that. But the rest of that stuff, like, man, like, you hearing, like, the same seven songs all day. But it wasn't like that back then, man. It, like, people enjoyed the radio. Like, it's just like how it was with the TV. If Even if you didn't have cable, you still enjoyed great television. That was how it was back then. Even if you, you didn't have the, the new CD that came out or the new tape that came out. The radio basically provided you with that. Like, the, I can remember those days waiting to hear the uh, day announcing that we're going to play this new this new person right here, this new record from this person, and, like, what time will it be? Having my, make sure my uh, tape was ready so I can hit record on it. Stuff like that, man. Those used to be the days. And going back to school, bro, you heard that new so-and-so and stuff like that? Like, ah, oh, man, that shit bumping. And that's how it was, man. That's Like I said, that's how it was also with uh, wrestling. Hey, man, you see what Stone Cold did? You see what Undertaker did? And then when SmackDown came into play, that was really good because uh, SmackDown was on UPN, and you didn't need cable to watch SmackDown. <laughs> and that was even... Like, you, had even you had even girls watching wrestling doing at that time, man. Like You had young girls watching this stuff. Y'all saw SmackDown. You saw what Triple H, Triple H did, and... I can't stand Stephanie and stuff like that, man. Like, ooh, I, I love me some China. We be in class and stuff like that. Our teacher be telling us, like, hush with all that wrestling and stuff. And y'all need to be paying attention to your schoolwork and stuff like that, man. And those were the days. Those were the days, man. And, but also, when we, leading into the, uh, the early 2000s, man, the early 2000s was something crazy also because, of course, uh, you had the uh, September 11th. And that changed a lot too, man. That that changed the world a lot, man. That there was a lot of stuff that you couldn't do, like that you could do. You couldn't do that shit no more. Like no who. After September 11, a lot of stuff changed, and I say a lot of stuff changed. And like I said, it was just crazy, man. It, it was just crazy. It was it was a crazy time, but it was also a good time. And me me becoming a teenager during that time. Uh, I learned a lot. I did some foolish things, but I learned my lessons from those. Now, I'll be lying to say I wish some of the stuff I couldn't change and stuff like that. But, hey, it is what it is. But the early 2000s, um, that's the only thing I hated was the fashion. Man. I used to hate that I thought that was fresh. The baggy stuff, like, looking crazy, man. It was just, it was just crazy. And, but... Um, the TV shows we had during that time, I, like I said in the first episode, like you saw nothing but blacks, but then that's when like the year 2000 came in after that, uh, well actually acting like in 1999, you saw all the, uh, TV shows, the black TV shows started disappearing. Like it was kind of like a, like a low average of them. Like you saw all these other shows, like these other white shows with these white people on them, but you didn't see too many blacks. You had the Parkers. You had girlfriends. You had uh, who else was still on it? Had smart guy. You had a lot, like a lot of them, but it wasn't as big as it once was in the nineties. So, so they was like you had the Hughley show. Like, uh, you had one on one and stuff like that. And then I remember um, leading to that. You saw uh, the Wire. That was my show. That was my show. That was my show, the Wire. And I just had to sneak and watch that because I it was not. I wasn't one supposed to be watching that type of stuff. My mom was very strict on me watching it, but I still somehow found my way watching it. And The Wire was like, I don't think it'll ever be another show like that. With all the other shows that's out today, uh, I say what's probably maybe close to it, and I say maybe with Snowfall. And I'm a Power fan also, but I don't think 
it will ever compete with that. It will ever, it will never compete with that. So, um, but growing up during those times, man, especially in Memphis, it was just a fun time, man. Like being a fan, like witnessing the. The uh, you I witnessed like when DMX came out in '98, and then you started to see it kind of die down, and then you saw the rise of 50 Cent and G Unit, and oh, you saw the rise of Dipset. Just like I said, you had to be there to like, for to see like the real, the full experience. Like you had to be there. Like I remember while them dudes started wearing pink. That's one thing I didn't do. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I didn't do that shit. No, 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 no. Which I will wear pink. Like, far as casually and stuff like that, but dudes was just wearing that shit. Like, it was just, like, it was the biggest trending thing in the world, which it was. Like, you saw Cam doing it, everybody else started doing it. I started wearing pink and stuff like that. I can remember them dudes in my classroom being at, uh, being at Sherwood and stuff like that, and dudes wearing pink and stuff like that. I was like, nah, I ain't with all that shit. I'm good on that. But I remember, like, when Get Rich or Die Trying came out, the, like, the, the impact of that album and the, the, the following that 50 Cent had at that time, man. Like, man. And then when G-Unit came out, like, everybody was going crazy over Lloyd Banks. Everybody was going crazy over Buck. People was screaming free Yayo. They didn't know who Tony Yayo was. But when Get Rich or Die Trying came out, it wasn't a car that, that drove by in every neighborhood that didn't have that tape or that CD. What if you bought it or you bootlegged it? Everybody was on that shit. That's why people still consider that a classic to this day, man. People still consider that a classic to this day. And um, it was just it was, it was just fun, man. It was like a, a fun time, man. And I felt like Everything kind of went downhill uh, once 2005 hit. Oh, after 2005, because, you know, G-Unit was still running things. And then that's when you saw uh, you saw the explosion of Texas. Uh, you saw the Slim Thugs, the Chameleonaires. You saw the Paul Walls. You saw Mike Jones. Uh, who else you saw? Um, who else you saw, man? else did you see? Um, uh, that whole Texas wave, man. You saw Lil Kiki. You saw ESG. Uh, before then, who was really holding it down was Lil Flip. Like, people never want to give dude, that dude his props or nothing like that. People don't ever want to uh, say that, you know what I'm saying, he was that whole, he was ahead of that, that new Texas wave. Because you had the Ghetto Boys. You had Scarface, Willie D, Bushwick Bill. You had... Uh, you had little oh, you had um shit, Lil Troy. You had Lil Troy and stuff like that. You had those Texas artists holding it down, but when it came to the youngsters putting it down and stuff like that, Flip was the one holding it down. First one to put a screw song on a major label uh commercial album. And stuff like that. So you had those dudes, you had dudes like that putting it down. It's like the putting it down for the for the state of Texas and you know, blowing up on the major song. But that was like it was a great time, man. It was just a great time, man. Like, uh, like I said, I maybe just be living my childhood and stuff like that on this episode. But a lot of people, it was like it was like also it was a lot of peer pressure for me because like that because 
you're you, growing up during that time, you'll think you have to act like other people to get people to like you. But I'm telling you now, if you're a young person listening to this, man, don't ever do that, man. Don't ever fall under peer pressure. I know it's hard. I know it's not easy to do, but don't ever fall under peer pressure because at the end of the day, if people can't accept you for who you are, then you don't need them. That's not your friends. You don't need to hang around them, man, because that's like a lot of mistakes that I made. Thinking that I need to be thuggish, thinking I need to do this and stuff like that to hang around people. If I got to change my ways to hang around you, then apparently you don't accept me for me. And me being hard-headed and thinking I kind of slick knew everything and stuff like that, I basically, I should have just listened, man. I wished I would have. But it's no another. It is what it is. But that's why one thing I try to tell my children today, man, if basically if people ain't rocking with you because they can't accept you for who you really are, and it is what it is, man. But like I said, it was a fun time, man. Um, like I said, the video games we had uh, when PlayStation 2 came out, uh, the first PlayStation came out, uh, GameCube, Single Dreamcast, and stuff like that. The video games we had, like, oh my God, it just kept getting better and better for us, man. And it was just, it was crazy. It was, it's downright crazy, man. But, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, man, reminiscing and stuff like that, I appreciate it. Uh, that was during my time growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s and stuff like that, man. So I hope y'all enjoyed this. Uh, look out for episode number three. It is coming soon, and make sure y'all check your boy out. I am JJ Moss, and I hope everyone has a great and safe day. Yeah.